Warning. This podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, we're back on the uh, on, on the trail of amazing, amazing guests. You've, you've, you've probably been bored of my voice for, uh, for quite some time. So today, with great pleasure to introduce Mr. Matt Grady. How the devil are you? Wonderful. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, really, really great to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, no, honestly, thank, thank post, you. Post some IT issues, my end, so uh, yeah. my apologies. <laughs> well, no, don't you worry about that. Really We're talking chat. now. That's the important yeah. thing. We yeah. are. But Good. for those people who don't know who Matt Grady is, who is he? Yeah. And how has he got to sit in that seat today? Yeah, wonderful. Absolutely. Well, we're just uh, relocating at the minute, so it's a bit of a bare background. You know, not much going on here. But uh, yeah, I, I've. Uh, I mean, to give you a bit of a, a potted history as well. Northerner originally from Leeds. Uh, we're born in Leeds, moved out, grew up in Castleford, West Yorkshire. Uh, always had aspirations to be a professional sports person, but in particular golf. I, I guess, like most lads, you know, wanted to be a, a football pro and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but found I was as pretty good at golf and pursued it as a career and. When I turned 18, I joined the PGA and I moved south when I was 19 down to the Oxfordshire area, sort of home counties. Met my other half there 20 years ago as well. We're still together with our daughter, Leah, here. And uh, yeah, turned pro, qualified, um, got sponsorship to play on the tour, um, moved overseas, did did a sort of interim post in the UAE in in Dubai and, and moved north to Ras Al Khaimah, one of the Northern Emirates, to set up a golf club out there that was wow. just about to, it was kind of half built. And then at the time in 2007, when I was out there, it was financial crash. It was very, it, it was, um, wasn't as booming as it, as it is now. There's, there's only about 10 golf courses at the time. Set up the golf course, came back, back into golf, uh, and then started to think about uh, career and life outside of golf because it's all consuming, all hours. Even the golf courses overseas are floodlit, so you're, you're never switching off. And realised if I was ever going to set up a family and you know have some family time, I needed to take a bit of a sidestep out of golf. And one thing led to another, and I found myself in in kind of a sales role in the recruitment industry. Did well at it. Eleven years later, still doing it, but just progressed over the ranks uh, through to C-suite executive search over the last few years. So now work internationally with a biotech, pharmaceutical and medical device technology businesses in Europe. And yeah. I help the, the founders and C-suite solve sort of leadership challenges through talent, really. And uh, yeah, this year, met a good friend, who's a good friend now has been a sort of virtual mentor over the years, a chap called JP de Villiers, who is a high performance coach. He used to work with Tony Robbins. He works with a number of CEOs and leaders now. And he said, Matt, you've got a crazy story. It's very similar to my own. I think you should write a book. And he set me the challenge to write a book within 30 days. Uh, and, and I promised I would. So, wow. <laughs> so we got the book out and JP very kindly wrote the forward. And it's called Making the Cut, Turning Pro in Sport, Business and Life. And it's it's been my journey through sport, business and life. Some of the lessons learned from top level sports and what I've implemented into life. And 
And this year, I, I said it was potted, but I'm going on a bit, maybe. This year, I've really, really put a push on uh, getting myself out of my own comfort zone by recording my own podcast and developing my own series, uh, but also wanting to speak to others and be part of other shows as well, such as yours, Ali. Uh, and uh, this is where I am today. Wow. Wow. And Bit of a history. <laughs> I, yeah, no, thank, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. I guess it's just it's just where to start because so yeah. I, I guess if we start just right right at the beginning, actually, um, around the, the the desire to become a professional sportsman. Um, how was that? How did that happen? How what was it? What was it inside of you that, that kept kept you going and, and kept you motivated to realize that dream in fact or did and did you realize the dream yes. that you wanted to do because a lot of people like you say when you're giving your introduction a lot of people have aspirations I've got, I mean I've got a nine-year-old um, aspiring goalkeeper next door yeah um, and, and, and fingers crossed that's my retirement plan but it's, <laughs> it, it's within his gift isn't it but what was it that kept you um, going to actually realize your dream and did you realize your dream yeah I think I did in in many ways and and actually, sort of in the early stages, sort of 10, 11, 12, just moving into high school, um, I, I really realized that that I was there was just no way that I wasn't going to achieve my goals of becoming a professional golfer. I loved it so much. I couldn't see life without it. So it was a really, from an early age, really heavily visualizing my future, which might sound a bit mature. And I, I wasn't really an introvert or that person that's kind of just sat, sat away planning my future. But I just knew it was something that was in me and I could achieve it. And I saw I saw it being achieved as well outside. And I'm 40 now, so I'm before kind of Internet and, you know, widely available sport. But I remember that once a year or twice a year, actually watching Augusta in April, watching the Masters in in April and then watching the Open in July. The only two things that were televised, you know, before we had Sky and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I used to record them on video and. I was just so madly in love with the sport and playing sport. I didn't actually love watching sport too much. I was more into playing it. I just had this really burning desire. And then, but I did, I mentioned in the book, there is a bit of a, a curveball in there. When I was about 15, 16, um, had a really great role model at school, our sports teacher, Mr. Hall, Simon Hall. And I've kept in touch with him you know, over 20 years now. I met him for a drink last year as well when I moved back up north. And it was just insane, you know, the, the impact that he had on my life. And I thought, am I just dreaming here about golf or, or is there something else going on? And for one minute, I thought, do you know what? Sports, PE, teacher, you know, I, I was thinking serious about I could become a sports teacher. It turned out my college didn't do the A level. Yeah. So it was back to plan A all the way. It was like golf pro, golf pro, golf pro. Now, I did have one influence. Uh, my uncle was a golf pro as well, but he was more of a teaching pro. He spent time overseas in Germany. But having sort of spoke to him throughout my teenage years, I realized how achievable it was if you had the right talent and drive. Um, so I guess back, back to the question uh, is I just knew it was going to happen. I, and I knew it had to happen because my golf was getting better. And academically, I wasn't getting any better. Yeah. So I really struggled through my GCSEs. Um, I guess all I was thinking about was sports. Yeah. Um, I took A-levels because I had nothing else to do. I couldn't get into golf. You know, I'm still too young. I started working at the golf club in, in Rothwell in Leeds. 
uh, where I eventually turned pro. Um, but my A-levels were getting worse. I was really sure I had to reset maths because I needed maths to get into the PGA as well. That was a kind of minimum requirement. Yeah. Um, but I just knew it was just plan A all the way. And, and I'd said to so many people, maybe this is early days accountability. I said, I am going to be a golf pro. And, and there's a lot of naysayers and my mates that you're dreaming. You haven't got a clue. They'd never seen me play golf, but they thought, what an idiot. You know, he's an absolute dreamer. Yeah. And I thought, there's absolutely no chance. I was always going to swear there, but I didn't know how clean yeah, yeah. the uh, podcast oh, you, was. You, you just say whatever you want to say. Yeah, I thought it's just no, no way on this planet that I'm not achieving this goal. And I did. And I sometimes think I did it just to prove them wrong as well. Yeah. I love um, that. There's, there's so much in what you just said there because you made me think about the having the right network or the peers or the, the role yeah. models to support you. You spoke about having that desire or that vision of, of where it is that you want to that you want to get to, and yeah, um, and and you were obviously putting in the effort as well. You said that your your golf yeah. was getting better, but academically, um, yeah, you weren't. So there's 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 a lot of, um, I guess, um, um, abilities or skills or, or lessons that you've that you've put in in place to to achieve yeah. your dream. How did it feel when? And I don't know what when you when you become a PGA professional. I mean, do you get you get like a sticker. It's, what what is it you get? Yeah, yeah. It's not that exciting to be honest, it, because as soon as you join the PJ, you've got three years of exams to go through. So the PJ is more the, in my opinion, uh, looking back, it's more the backup plan. If you have your PGA membership, you, you're qualified to teach. You're registered and accredited as a, a as a PGA professional under the banner of the PGA. But it's a bit of a backup plan if you want to be a player. Yeah. which is what I wanted to be. So you go through three years of um, on-the-job learning, essentially learning club fitting. But but the the um, the deeper stuff is biomechanics, rules and tournaments, how to run a business, tax returns. Uh, yeah, club fitting and customization, that's quite a big part of the art, almost the, um, the artisan sort of craft uh, of yeah. club fitting and club building and the business of golf as well. And there's, there's many other facets to it, and you get examined on a yearly basis. So it was a bit of a downer for me having just scraped through a levels to be going back to school again, you know, putting business plans together and going through the motions, but also showing a playing ability and also the ability to teach to an extremely high standard and to sort of pass on that knowledge. And then after three years, you fight, you sit your final exams you either pass or you fail and you have to go again. And, and then you're a full member of the professional golfers association. Wow. Wow. And I, but uh, yeah, it's a bit of an anticlimax going back to school, but you're almost on a path then through the PGA to become a qualified member, which opens the door for club life. If you want to be a head pro somewhere, you yeah. have to typically be a PGA professional. Yeah. I guess that's really positive that they look after the the people in in that way to, to like yeah. say a plan b or to support them with with life skills and, and yeah. give them alternative paths to go when you were not on... everybody's a top player as well uh, it's, it's worth saying not everybody's going to make the cuts you know in terms yeah. of making the cuts it's it's even harder when you get to that level but um how did yeah, you know that you'd made the cuts well, I, I made the cut in many ways in that I qualified for various tours and I was able to make a living by playing. So I, I guess it was my my passion. And when I realized I made it to, to my own standards or satisfaction was when I was able to actually make money from it to gain sponsorship, to, to play in professional events at a more senior level than just the regional county 
stuff. Yeah. So it's so a more, you know, the, the serious end of golf, uh, no salary and having to make money from it. And, and I guess, so, and, and how long did you do that for? Uh, that was about five years of playing. Yeah. So and what was the three reasons years of qualifying. Say, say that again, sorry. Yeah, sorry, what was it? What was the reason? So I'm just thinking in my head yeah. now. You've, you've done. You've gone on this massive journey. A kid, yeah. a kid that wanted to do this, oh, and then you've yeah. then you've studied, and then you've you've got all the qualifications. You, you've got your plan B and your plan A, yeah. and then you're fully <laughs> in. You're fully in plan A. It's yeah. paying for you. It's yeah. it's delivering. Um, and yeah. how long? Was five years? Did you say? Yeah, and and it's roughly. I, th- I think one of them is financial. Um, so the um the ability to repeat either sponsorship or earnings to pay for the year ahead and and i was finding i was getting to an age where i was thinking hang on a minute you know i need to guarantee some income in order to buy a property for example or or to be set up in a way and and you can't guarantee sponsorship and you can't guarantee whether you're going to win the money and you know i'd gambled on that for a couple of years but at some point it was getting to the place where it's like okay i'd quite like a mortgage i'd quite like some stability and I did have a bit of a uh, hiatus in that I went to live in the UAE uh, with with the golf out there, and and that was almost like a, a break from tournament life back into the club life. And when I came back to the UK, I, I entered the club scene, so worked with with some premium golf resorts in the UK. But actually, the love for the club life uh, and the game had, had just diminished really by that point, and yeah. I was starting to pursue. Uh, other ambitions really and other goals in life yeah and so you mentioned that you got into recruitment and you did that for 11 years and i guess still going yeah how did yeah. how did how did that start so how did you go from professional golf uh, working on the club circuit and and then doing yeah. the stuff that you did in in the um in in the golf courses and, and stuff how did you yeah. go from that yeah. to then going actually recruitment is where it's at yeah, well, it, it wasn't at first, you know, actually, I was, I was looking around and thinking, what am I going to do? You know, what are the options here? And I ended up actually getting a sales role. It was a direct sales role for a, a bedroom manufacturer called Sharps. You might know them. Yeah. And uh, at the time, Sharps, uh, well, in fact, had a great time there, really learned some excellent sales skills from the business. And about nine months in, uh, they went into administration, Sharps, Dolphin, Mobin, and we all got put in a room and they said, um, sorry, Mobin, a dolphin, you've got to go home today. Sharps uh, are going to hang on to buy dear life. They're still going. And, and I think return to later form. And actually we've, we've got them coming around in a few weeks to look at some wardrobes. For us. <laughs> but I wasn't in a position then to gamble my future as well. I just left my career and almost my life in golf to something that was very unstable. Yeah. And for the first time ever, sort of looked at a job board and put my CV together. And somebody from Michael Page gave me a call, uh, Jennifer Butchers, I remember fondly. And she said, why don't you come and interview? We love what you've done. You know, it's really interesting. We, we love sports people, you know, that drive, determination, motivation, all those good, good things. We've got the training and development plan. Uh, come and meet us. Met them, hit it off, met a few people there and, and ended up joined the recruitment industry and found it was a, it was almost like a, an evolved sales process, very complex, dealing with humans as the, uh, you know, as the ultimate product yeah. uh, and talent as we now uh, know it, or candidates and, and clients. And it, and it was actually quite challenging and not so easy to just pick up and, and you had to become an expert. And it, and it felt like a worthy pursuit 
and something that I'm not just going to become an overnight success in which I really like. And golf, you know, probably took me 14 years to get to the level of what I wanted to be at. Uh, yeah. And I don't necessarily, didn't want to necessarily wait 14 years, but thought within the next year or two, I could see some serious progression here, some excellent stability if I want to start a family, get a mortgage, you know, get on the property ladder and, and do something with life. Because to be honest, without the right level of sponsorship, you are scrapping around a lot in golf. Yeah. It costs about 40 to 50,000 pounds a year just to just to pay your tournament entries and wow. you know it's not that's not to mention any rent that you might be paying or your living costs yeah uh, so imagine having to sort of think about where that's coming from every year it, it, it's um quite a quite a pressure to yes. put on yourself constantly. No, I can imagine I can imagine and I guess I'm, I'm sat here I think what what's the dream Matt Grady what is the dream as you as you sit there now what's the dream for you I think the dream and, and uh, you know, everybody probably knows this now that I've spoke to is in 10 years when I'm 50, I'll be playing golf on the seniors to on the champions tour and that, and I'll retire having the time of my life, you know, that'll be my living, but it'll be uh, an absolute dream. So yeah. the, the goal really is to stay in, you know, solid physical shape so that I can uh, play in the future. And then I would have, done you know 20 years in the recruitment industry uh, yeah, if that's wow. what i continue to do and you know it, it's it's done me uh, it's done me a solid really and I, I really love you know i really love the industry i really love the business that i work for and everything i do um but wouldn't it be amazing if yeah i could return yeah. to the golf course in the future yes. without without having to necessarily worry about the pressures pressures of where's my next paycheck coming from yeah yeah, no, completely. I love that. Love that. I guess and, that would be a dream, anyway. That, that, and, and I think when you when you're talking there, I think there's, the, I I don't have any doubt that that's that's exactly what you'll be doing because when you when you spoke about at the start of your career and your the ambition, the motivation, the drive, the accountability, the people, the the people, the role model, the next year. There's, I guess, there's a formula um, for for success there, and it, it sounds like you you you're repeating that throughout each different phase and stage of your of your career and and you mentioned about the book earlier on or hang on a second, mm. do you say book or book uh, well i'm yorkshire so i'm book yeah so i, I yeah, appreciate okay. lancashire is uh nobody's perfect matt nobody's perfect. i understand it but funny uh, enough my grandma used to say book yeah and have a look but she was from yorkshire yeah but 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 uh, a talented lady, I'm fond of talented, extremely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and t- talking of talking of relatives, actually, when you were talking about um, your your career in um, in in golf, um, my nan's um, my nan's uncle, um, Fred Robson, played in the very first Ryder Cup, 1927. In 1927, yes, wow. he did. And the, yeah, and the 1929 was held at, at Moortown Golf Club in Leeds, which is where I ended up uh, playing as a youngster. Oh wow. Yeah, really, really. So, and that's why I remember the year. Yes, uh, yeah. I think he came wow. sec- second in the UK Open in 27 or something like that as well. Wow. Um, and then, he, yeah, it was on the very first uh, Ryder Cup tour. Was it in the US? Was it in the US, wasn't it? In yes, I think it was. They, they went over on a boat and... Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. No, what a story. Yeah, no, you sparked, you, sparked those, you sparked those thoughts. And unfortunately, his his golf um, abilities didn't um, didn't get passed on down this side of the family, unfortunately. <laughs> but never mind. Never mind. Yeah. So wait, you spoke before about your boot making the cuts. Yeah. Um, yes. And you said you've been challenged to do it in 30 days. Yes. Right. I, lo- I love this because 
I, I love I love this a lot actually because I think this is evidence of of you as a person the the uh, the the fact that that somebody and we've only just met right and this is on my impression based on the short conversation that we've had you're somebody who who doesn't let anybody down. And and the and the fact that you've signed up to that that kind of accountability <laughs> challenge and the third do you think you would have written a book without that? I would have, but just not as quick. Yeah. I was I was starting to consider it, but I, I didn't have anything concrete that I was going to write about. And and when I when I spoke to JP and met him and interviewed him on on one of my earlier podcasts as well, you know, there's something else that we have in common. When when I moved down south and I was trying to you know, generate income really to, to play on the circuit. I, I was a bedroom DJ when I was a teenager. Uh, and I mentioned the book. So, I, so I've got a friend. So somebody who worked in the golf club, Shane Dickinson, his uncle was a, was a guy called George Evelyn or Evelyn DJ Easy. Uh, his right. name is, he was, do you know Nightmares on Wax? Have you heard of Nightmares on Wax? Oh, sounds familiar. Yes. I'll send you a link really popular, yep. sort of Ibiza chill and yep. you know, very famous DJ. Turns out Shane's uncle is that guy. Uh, so Shane was very much into hip hop uh, and that sort of stuff. I was more into house music. And anyway, he brought the decks into the golf club one night because Shane was the manager of the bar at the golf club. I was yeah. like, wow, I love this. And we love music. And we're, we're in the 90s now as well. So, you know, I think that kind of that house music generation was really coming through. And I loved it. So I bought some decks. And I started DJing at home and collecting records. And I once went into a shop in Leeds and, and was buying records. And the guy said, do you like this sort of music then? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, what are you doing with it? I said, just bedroom DJ and do a few mixtapes for my friends. And he said, do as a mixtape, bring it in next week. I was like, right, did it. And uh, I didn't realise what was happening here. There's some sort of transaction going on. He said, right, I listened to it. The next time I read it, I've listened to it. I like it. It's a bit commercial. If you can play some more of this, I'll give you a spot on a Thursday night at Elbow Rooms in Leeds. Amazing. Uh, and just do an hour. Anyway, we piled in. It was like the Romans. Uh, you know, everybody that I knew was coming in my Ford Fiesta. There's about five of us in it yeah. for that night. And, and that was my passion. Uh, or, or that was my passion outside of work. And I turned out making some money from it when I was... When I moved down south, I got offered the opportunity to DJ in the Slug and Lettuce. I found a, the GM of, of the Slug and Lettuce was from Manchester. So we had this northern connection. We're both in the yeah. south. He said, I'm looking for some live music. So have you got any ideas? I said, well, I'll bring my decks. I've brought my decks down. I'll do a set. I did a set. He said, you can do this every Friday and Saturday night. So I did that for five years. Wow. And that sort of supplemented my golf, really, and kind of got me, got me by. Yeah, paid for it. a few holidays as well. So, but JP was also a DJ as well. So he's yeah. in sport. He's a professional kickboxer. I was a professional golfer. He was a DJ. I was a DJ. We're a similar age. He yeah. also got into sales as well, and then he moved into coaching. And obviously, I went a different way into the recruitment industry. He said, "You people out there would love to hear your story, Matt, and it's going to be a great tool for you to have a conversation with people that you'd never thought that you could." And he said, "You know, you've got to don't be a perfectionist." Here's a structure. And he did a live video, actually. And, and um, you know, I put my name. I said, I am going to write a book and it will be complete by this day. Yeah, uh, love it. I didn't want to let JP down, really. And he's, he's, he's become a really great friend. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And um, Yeah, I try not to let people down. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but I do. If I say I'm going to do it, it gets done. Yeah, no, completely. Completely. So I'm um, so and, and, and I used to DJ as well. I DJed in Bolton, Yates. I, I did it 18 months dressed as a monkey. Uh, but that's a, that's another story for a completely other time. Um, Next podcast, the, uh, yeah, the music. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
definitely. So I guess, how would you describe your career to date in three words? Big learning curves. Yeah. Steep what, learning curves. Yeah. What do you, what what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? Biggest lesson, and and, I, and this has come off quick as well. I don't want it to sound canned or anything because I'm I'm writing my intentions and values down on a daily basis now. I've only got five, and you know, I learned this from JP. I, I guess I've always had certain values, but I never write them down on a daily basis. But now I do, and it is challenge. And that's the um, the biggest lesson that I've learned is the more adversity and the more challenge I can engineer into everything I do, the greater results that I have. So the more awkward the conversation, the more out of the comfort zone I can get, the yeah. more volume of something I can do, the more out of the box thinking I can make. And as yeah. challenging as it might be, the, there that's where the results are. Yes, completely. What do you think your biggest challenge coming up will be? I think, um, you know, the industry that I'm in, uh, I think there's probably a couple of things, you know, one on where I want to take things um, and two, yeah, how I'm going to get there uh, in business as well. So, so I, I'm employed. I work in a business now. I, I run the search, executive search practice, as, it, as it's called. So I'm the executive search guy. You're trying to do everything, uh, not myself, because I have a lot of support from the business. But at the moment, the biggest challenge is, you know, give me a broom and I'll clean out the the store at the same time. You know, I, I'm very much a one man band in a bigger organization, competing in a very challenging industry, uh, challenging organization. Uh, sorry, challenging sector. Yeah, with a lot of competition. So I'm doing hopefully what others won't do today, and I'm making someone's quote here so that I can get the results that they won't have tomorrow. So I'm so I'm really putting myself out there. So the biggest challenge is doing the right doing the right things really, and enough of it, and increasing yeah. the quality as as I go and increasing yeah. the output. How do you know what the right things are? I don't always know actually, and and a lot of it is testing. You know, so so one thing, um, you know, I was doing an audio podcast, interviewing, sending my guests the link. Very early days didn't really go down very well, although there were great conversations. I realized that video was where I needed to move things. So I had to go out of a comfort zone there and start asking people that I wanted to meet who were willing to give me a, uh, give me a shot at, at joining my podcast. But I had to do extremely high volumes of outreach for that as well. And then testing the format and then tweaking, tweaking the style. And, and, and I guess there's, there's everything I do really is, is, is constantly tweaking, whether it's the pitch, whether it's the solution, whether it's the service, and asking a lot of questions of, of the people that I'm speaking to. Did that resonate? Is Am I on the right tracks here? What would you change? Uh, yeah. So I guess I'd, I really, I know some things that have worked really well, and I'm trying to tweak them to get greater results over time. But a lot of the time, you know, it's, it's an A-B test every time. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. I would... What three words did you say your daughter's called Leah? Leah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What three words, or how would she describe you with three words? Do you think? And this is so weirdly, and it's so crazy that you said that. We we were, you know, because we're not from this area, and we're always interested in uh, not necessarily interested in what people think. But we said to Leah actually the other day, what what is what do you think people think of us? Uh, I'll think of me, and, and I don't know if it's in three words, but 
that she said one of the things she said that the crazy guy is always wearing shorts and sunglasses uh he's always talking to everybody so talkative is what yeah. she said but she probably in an adult sense it would be somebody who's communicating often you know i'm i'm the guy in the playground who's interacting with parents and engaging constantly yeah so i think she would say doer or action orientated yeah. communicator or networker if she had that vocab yeah you know, networker fun you know fun guy yeah yeah shorts, <laughs> and, shorts but, and sunglasses all the time is it yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in them now. You know, I've got shorts on, and and it, you just give me a ray of sun, and uh, and I'll have the yeah. shades on. Yeah. And you know, there's a between you and I, and everybody that lis li listens to this podcast. I sometimes wear shades so I can just get in and out, you know, without necessarily making eye contact with everybody, because everybody always seems to want to have a chat. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes I just have to put the blinkers on. And, yeah, uh, you're you're a victim of your own networking and uh, yes, and community yeah. success, aren't you? Indeed. Well, yeah, it seems so. But I, on the short side of thing, I'm a big believer, and, and you know, a fellow northerner, we've experienced cold a lot longer than the southern uh, counterpart has. I really believe in in sort of playing with the cold, you know, and, and going into the cold. So I'm a big ice bath guy, cold showers every day, uh, only two minutes uh, in yeah. the morning, just sort of frighten the life out of me. But I don't get ill, and uh, and I don't feel cold, and I'm you know, walking out in a t-shirt and people think I'm crazy. I'm not, I'm, I don't feel like it's biting through. I feel pretty hard to it. And, and I believe that it's because I embrace the cold. So that was three words that are um, some thoughts for, for how your daughter would describe you. What about your wife? How would she describe you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think um, busy. Maybe not always, you know, sometimes busy full, you know, yeah. but, but generally busy. I think doer would come up again. Doer yeah. as, uh, you know, I like to, I like to box things off. David Meltzer, who, who I met uh, a couple of weeks ago for the first time, said 100% of the things you do get done. Yeah. I believe that as well. And as, as long as you, you're doing the right things, I, I like yeah. to get them done. Big sort of box ticker off. So what do you say? Doer. Uh, Is it? Busy, yeah, a bit busy. Two, but maybe we could hyphenate it. Risk taker. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I can get away with that. Yeah, no, of course you can. Of course you can. They're your words, aren't they? That's yeah, perfect. I'll just make that up as a one word. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's how other people would see you. How do you see yourself? What words would you use to describe yourself? I think the action orientated. I can just keep them as, as one word. Creative, I would say. I, I don't think people... Like you, you know, creating this this show and doing what you're doing, it it's quite a creative process. It's not just we'll just click a link and we're we're chatting here. There's there's yeah. a lot more to it, isn't there? And yeah, we're building more than just a podcast here. There's some legacy and it's very creative. And you've got to strike the right. So, so I think I'd like to think of myself as as creative. Yeah. And what I re what I really think about a lot, and what I want to be is inspiring. And uh, and a couple of people as well who've got teenage kids or, or young kids, I really want to share the teenage years with them about you know, the real grit and resilience and single-minded focus, almost to a selfish point. Without you don't need to cheese people off to be selfish, but you can be very selfish yeah. uh, and have it work for you in terms of achieving your goals. It doesn't have to be to the detriment of others. 
Yeah, love that. Love that. Uh, Who inspires you, Matt? Well, actually, um, you know, Tess, my other half, is is very inspiring. Yeah, she's a primary school teacher. But I think behind that, you know, I don't want to just label her as that. She's tough as nails. And uh, I had a bit of a weird, uh, well, I say weird, it, it was almost a health scare. It was a bit of a health scare this year. So I turned 40 in July and about a month before I went to the dentist with Leah. She was on a day off and dragged us to the hygienist. And they found this mark on my tongue wasn't sort of a not something typically that that would be there a little white mark it's not too gory by the way and they said oh you know that shouldn't be there um but we can't do anything about it now we need these things come and go you might have just bitten your tongue you know and, it, and it, this is just a reaction to it yeah went back two weeks later hadn't gone anywhere they still wanted to see what it was all about um the short version is i had to have a biopsy you know a good portion of my tongue cut off on the side fortunately 99 of it's grown back uh, but this thing still reappears and that send it off for a biopsy to test for, you know, cancer and all this kind of stuff, you know, all, all the nasty stuff. And I was in a real deep hole emotionally, you know, anywhere you look, it's bad news. You know what it's like? You Google anything. It's really bad. And I was in a right hole and Tess was absolutely rock solid and almost unwavering in, in her feedback. She was like, how are you going to, you know, what if it is bad, Matt? How are you going to cope? You know, if you're breaking down now and you don't know what's going on, what if it really is something I can go? So she she challenges me in a way that that strengthens my character, and you know it. I don't want to sound like she's hard work or anything, but um, but she does keep me on my toes. Yeah, and uh, and so does Leah as well, and they sort of they, they keep me going. I've maybe even gone too far away from the question now that I've no no no. So what I, what I really like what I really like about your answer there as well is earlier in the conversation you said how who inspires me. Sorry. You, you said how important challenge was to yes. you, yes. and then you, you just said there in 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 that that the two people closest to you are two people that consistently challenge you. Yeah. Well, so no, I, I really like that. Really like. That. It's really that's... interesting as well because I, they're, they're probably challenging me in a way to to be a better dad or be a better partner or bit. But you know what it's like, you know, as a as a dad. But yeah. I, I've stopped being so inspired. I used to be quite impressed with people when I was a teen. I'd look at, oh, wow, how impressive is that? And even early 20s, but oh, wow, I want to be that. And over the years, I've just become less and less impressed with people. Uh, I really want to see. So I, I think one of the things that that uh, struck, struck me early life, early 20s, was if they haven't done it or they aspire to do it, you know, you don't listen to them. If they're providing sort of naysaying feedback, if yeah. they haven't been where you want to go or at least aspire to it, you know, that opinion and, and that noise, uh, you need to create a filter to, to get that. Email. So I've become less impressed, but there are people, you know, you inspire me for cranking out hundreds of uh, podcasts. Uh, JP, my uh, sort of friend now, really, uh, you know, and I haven't paid him a penny and he's, and he's given so much to my life, you know, the forward to the book. He invited me to speak in his mastermind last week. He's, he's, he's provided me with so much value and that yeah. really inspires me to level up my game no end and there are people that i i watch and i try and learn from and listen to i, I do read a lot and watch a lot of things that are kind of you know non-fiction yeah we would obviously be a better version just i mean you've um you've just sparked another thought though we just we recently did a tender for um for a piece of work and in that tender it said, um, it said, what one thing do your most successful clients do from your least successful clients? And 
And when I was thinking about the answer to that, what I, I put down, not in a, these exact words, but it's basically they do something when we're not in the room. They do something. So it's not about just like reading a book or attending a training course or having a coaching session. They take whatever it is, the thoughts, and those, those th new thoughts have driven a new activity or a new action that, that follows. Mm. Um, you have um, continually, your, I mean, the words that you've just said from about from from your wife and, and from um, from from your, your young gun are about you're an action taker, you're a doer. What is it that if you're continually learning, what is it that's in you that if you're continually learning that then creates the action to go and do some stuff? You wrote a book in 30 days. Yeah, you've been on the uh, you've been a professional golfer. Yeah. What what is it in you that does it? Mm. I think I, I'm trying to answer the best uh, best way I can here as well. Um so I think um I think the process of starting something gives me more energy and motivation to continue it and do it so um and again i'm nicking quotes but it's stuff that sinks in and makes sense of what i think and it's i want to make sure i get it right as well um yeah motivation gets you started good habits keep you going so a lot of people have got a lot of great motivation yeah i'm gonna be five stone lighter next year and all this kind of stuff but they don't, they don't even take the first step and get to the gym or or, or sort their eating out and make, make a plan but if they just took the time to formulate some good habits, then uh, they will more likely be, mo be motivated by the achievement that they, they can see at the other side of it. And I don't want to sound all guru on the, on the weight loss thing, but I think striving towards something bigger, like the golf was a real, I couldn't even get there because of my age. You know, when I wanted it, it was so far away because I couldn't be a golf pro at 13. Yeah. But I had this big, long lead up. So I was constantly adding on the skills and adding on and adding on. And um, I, th I think you might want to say something there, I, just while you it, but just in case. Not, yeah, I do, around the difference between journey and destination. Because what has come across in this whole conversation so far is, is how much work, commitment you put into the journey. You've got clarity of the destination. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're, you're coming across like you're somebody who, enjoys the challenge of the journey to reach somewhere yeah. rather than just fixating on the destination or the or the journey and 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 i think there's there's like there's two different types of people in this world one of them fixates on the the the, the destination um yeah. and one of them enjoys and and throws themselves into the journey um and and you're you're coming across as a i'm going to use the word journeyman, but journeyman. Not in the, yeah. yeah but like but it's about the journey for you yeah. is that is that fair or have i just or not yeah i think so i think i think you've got to enjoy the smaller time scales as well and the, and the smaller wins and the immediate stuff that you can impact right now as well and not getting caught yeah the dream is very alive uh and it's very focused and maybe that was very helpful in the golf days because there was only ever one objective and it was just how do i how do i get there by, by trying all these different things uh, and one thing as well, I think we maybe touched on earlier on is surrounding ourselves with the right people. Yeah. And I've become obsessive about that in my older life as well. Um, when I was younger, yeah, I, I'd started weeding these people out early on. And, and I guess the golf scene is a little bit different. It wasn't elitist when I was coming through, but I imagine a generation before it was maybe tough to get into a golf club so much. Um, 
But I was starting to see that serious people wanted to play golf, especially at my age. They weren't just dabbling. And I talk yeah. about it in the book about amateurs dabbling and professionals are all in. I'm not yeah. saying you have to be a professional status, but by what you're doing with, with your podcast and your business as well, it's professional. You know, you're making money for it, but you're intense and focused and you're doing things to an extremely high standard, not just dabbling. And like the, the lower performing clients, not taking action. Yes. So, yeah, really love the journey. Really love the doing. <laughs> yeah no and that, that comes across especially because it was the words that you used that you thought other people would describe you as and also your own word and i think you, before you mentioned uh when we, when we touched on the word inspiring you mentioned about the teenage years yeah how would you like to inspire people and what is it from your own journey in those years that is the most inspiring for them i think so I'd really, so really fortunate, you know, my, my parents were together when I was, you know, I didn't come from a broken house or anything. You know, mum and dad were together. Dad worked extremely hard. He was a plumber and he was six days a week, his own business. And he spent his Sunday either coming to the golf club or, you know, taking me to play football for the, for the team and all that kind of stuff. But you know, through the week, it was very much mom, you know, she worked as well. Um, but actually what was, what was missing, but was kind of welcome was I wasn't ever pushed into golf. Uh, it, it was like, you do whatever you want, Matt. Um, you know, if, and if that's what you want to do, that's, that's wonderful. Um, but also at the same time, it, it was a very solo act. You know, I got there because of my own efforts. Uh, and a lot of the time you got to think about, I think if I was talking to a, a younger group now of teenagers, you might think that somebody's going to come and save you and give you all the skills and all the support and all that. But actually, probably 99% of it is, is you uh, and you really have to do the work. And without sounding, sounding cliche and spinning out all the stuff that kids might hear, um, you really have to take accountability and ownership of your own success in those early years, especially if it's sport, because everybody's out to do better than you, I, I would say. Um, golf may be one of the unique sports where you can't actually impact another person's performance. You know, rugby, I can slam straight into somebody and take them out. Or football, yeah. I can tackle them. Hockey, I'm, all the games, you know, there's a way, but golf is a big mind game. You know, if, if you let the external forces of jealousy, envy, worry, doubt creep in, they're all external. So if I was speaking to a bu bunch of young golfers, I would say you have to become extremely good at being lonely. Um, and yeah, I think, be becoming incredibly good at working out your own problems. Yeah. So I, mindset you spoke yes. about, and we could have a whole full conversation on mindset. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess what age did you realize how much your thoughts help or hinder you? Yeah. I think it's probably a bit of mental maturity around 14, 15, 16, and actually getting really close to about 16 when it's turning into college. And you can see a lot of people just falling out of education or, or just not being interested or actually getting to an age where they're just going down the wrong path. And I'm not here to tell anybody what, what they should and shouldn't do, but I could see at about that age that person is not going to achieve much in that path, you know, and if you continue to hang around with those guys, I can tell you where you're going. And I started yeah. to see, okay, who, uh, and, and I'll try and link this to, to mindset as well. Um, it, it was, 
it was realizing the distractions um, and getting myself in the headspace of if I want to be really serious about this here, I am the only one who can make make a dent in it. And and even though I mentioned early on about the education piece, how I, I struggled a little bit. You know, it just like sport. My mum and dad didn't necessarily push me through. Must revise, must do this. I don't know if that's just the, the not a northern thing, uh, Lee, mm. but, but they just kind of left me to get on with it because I was a good kid. Uh, yep. I wasn't necessarily a rebel. I didn't have teachers phoning home saying Matthew hasn't done his homework. I always did it. You yep. know, and I always tried my best, but I wasn't necessarily always the best. Yep. Um, but I realized that um, in order to achieve my goals, I need to, one of the milestones was qualifying as a, as a PGA golf pro in order to do that. I needed to resit my maths. So I was doing A-levels whilst resitting my maths GCSE as well. Unfortunately, I had a really good teacher, maths teacher, while I was doing my A-levels to be able to pass my maths to the uh, to get a C. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So I don't know. Did I answer that properly yes. there? No, no. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, you did. You did. I think, And I think there's the, everything everything that we spoke about, we could go um, a mile deep on on everything, the importance of all of the things that you, that you spoke about. But the, and there's so many lessons that have that you've that you've shared today that have got so much depth in them. If, if people wanted to explore more and i guess the um who you, you've written a book yeah who do you think the book is for or who would get the most from the book that you've written i think um you know what i found actually is the books for more than just the audience that i thought it was you know i thought it was just aimed at any individual, any adult, really, who was thinking, I want to get an edge. I'd like to learn from somebody who's, who's been a professional sports person and transitioned into business. So if anybody, that's a natural fit. If you're in sport and you're moving into business or you've been in sport uh, and you're starting to find a career outside of sport, it's absolutely a, a, it's a perfect fit. On the other hand, as well, um, you've, I've had parents of teenagers say, that was really fascinating, Matt. And actually, that's going to be really helpful getting them to the right frame of mind and setting up for success and surrounding themselves with the right people and, and setting up the right habits and systems in order to achieve what they want to achieve. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, it, it could hit many markets, You know, could hit many people. It, I guess anybody wants to do something a bit different. And I didn't want it to be a typical self personal development thing. I wanted it to be Matt Grady's story and here's yeah. what you could do yeah. to do something different. Love it. Love it. And you've, you've touched on um, the future of Matt Grady's story as well. So maybe book number two, uh, when you, it's, when you hit in, the, uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, um, <laughs> the, the age of 50 and you're on that tour uh, back again at 50, maybe that's book number two of, of how you yeah. the full circle or, or whenever that be. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but I, I know, honestly, Matt, I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. It's been thoroughly enjoyable to understand more about you, what makes you think, and some of the the important decisions, choices that you've had to make. To to, in fact, final question, not final question. I've got three questions to go. Question number one: Do you see yourself as successful? Not yet. So no, I would say if I was speaking factually, I'd say no uh, because I. In my current career, I haven't achieved all I want to achieve. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm a work in progress there. Okay. I think there are things that I do that may be perceived as successful, but I don't see it yet. Yeah. And I, I think that an answer <coughs> is fascinating in itself because, because you're fully admitting that you're on a journey. Mm. Um, but if you'd, if you'd have looked at some of the highlights of your career, 
then maybe people do perceive those as successful. But you're a you are you are a man about a journey, aren't you? A so journey not, man, yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah, still lots of things to achieve, I think. <laughs> and question number two, um, what are you having for your tea? I've got some chicken tonight. Yeah. yeah, I got yeah. some chicken. So, I, I've been so, trying to. When you on. say you've got some chicken tonight, it, do, do you mean the stuff in I a jar? Like tonight. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got some chicken breast, and uh, and I I might put it in a wrap. I might put some barbecue sauce on it. Uh, I've just I've got a ten k race next week as well, and uh, I, I'm probably a few pounds heavier than I'd like to be for race pace. So I'm just cleaning out the evening meals because I find. And this may be something, a sport thing as well. Uh, eating too much on an evening, I feel like garbage in the morning. I, I'm not as lively, even if it's good food. If, I, if I'm eating yeah. too late, it's just not being processed properly. It's just, maybe it's a personal thing. Um, so I'm trying to clean out the evening meals. Yeah. yeah what about so you, Lee? What's, uh, what's on your well, menu? No, that's Come fascinating. On. So I, I was going to have a takeaway tonight until you've just oh, said lovely. that. Well, no, yeah. no, no. So it's tricky. It, uh, we're recording this oh, yeah, on it's Halloween. Halloween, is it? Yeah. Um, so the kids will be going out trick-or-treating and getting a yeah. lot of sweets and all of that stuff, um, yeah. which will mean that they'll we'll only get back into the house um, and there's like a little party going on and stuff down the road. Um, so there'll probably just be some form of takeaway type of activity nice. happening. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you know exactly how I feel tomorrow morning and whether Please. eating too late is not good for me because it's not something I've never measured. Um, so I will do that. And I guess third and final question, Mr. Matt Grady, if people wanted to know more about you, where would they go? What would they do? What would they find? Amazing. I, I think um, I'm trying to do a lot more across social media, but if they want to find business Matt, he's on LinkedIn. UK forward slash Matt Grady. Probably it's quite a simple <laughs> yeah. one. So you'll find Matt Grady in executive search on LinkedIn as well. Um, I have a, I have a couple of landing pages for the book as well. I'll send you, make sure I send you a copy as well. Perfect. And you can share the free download with anybody who's interested as well. So you can buy it on Amazon um, or, you know, just send them the freebie there as well. I didn't ever intend for it to be a Harry Potter, yeah. but, uh, you know, just a, a really great outlet and primer for book two. Yeah. Yeah. No, love it. Love it. No, thank you for that. And I just want to say again, thank you for, for just honestly sharing your story uh, and, and giving us a glimpse more into journeyman Matt Grady. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, so what does the rest of the week look like for you? Well, we've got, I mean, back to work. So Doma search, executive search on a daily basis. So I'm looking at new clients and new candidate relationships on a daily basis. So finding business and winning business. Um, we are packing. Uh, we've got the removals guys coming around on Friday afternoon. And we're, we're due to relocate again, uh, yeah. only 14 miles down the road this time and move yeah. into our new house on, on Saturday. So I'm sure my evenings are going to be filled with Vodafone, BT, TV license, you know, all that mumbo jumbo. Yeah. No, <laughs> but he's an I want to share something interesting. Well, I, I found it interesting. I only realized, you know, Queen's Jubilee, was it Jubilee or something? Uh, whatever it was called in June this year. Was it June? Maybe May, June. Yeah. It was nice weather, wasn't it? And I went back to my old house. You know, my mum and dad are still in the house that I grew up in, a bit northern. And yeah. uh, it was funny to see all the parents who were kind of my age when I was a kid. You know, it's funny to see them now, my mum and dad's age, you know, with their kids and their kids with kids. And it was really interesting. But what I thought was really funny, I spoke to one of the dads and, and he said, oh, what have you been doing, Matty? I said, oh, well, you know, golf, yada, da, overseas, isn't that? It's like, isn't it funny? He said, number 70, professional golfer, that was me. He said, number 68, professional rugby league player, Ryan Boyle. 
my next door right. neighbour, uh, Ireland International, Cass Tigers, uh, Salford Reds. I think he's played for Doncaster now, right? Two doors down, Lindsay, um, gymnast, GB gymnast. It's just weird, this little street, you know, in, in Castleford, West, mining town, Glass out in Castleford in West Yorkshire was producing yeah. sports people. But I used to remember, we used to joke about it, that we used to think about a team, you know, having a team in that street and we're all, you know, kicking 10 bells out of each other in the garden playing rugby. Yeah. And then Ryan went on to, to play for Cass. And, uh, yeah, yeah wow. Well, funny, isn't I, it, how these little uh, incubators... <laughs> it, it, no, it is. It is. But it also, I think, shows that actually having that peer group that's challenging, and as I think one of the words that, I'm, that I would use to summarise this um, conversation is the the importance of consistent challenge and right from a young age if you've all lived there together you've been consistently challenging each other to be better I spoke to somebody the other week my my boy's um, uh, football coach and he said he said that um, that one of his younger children his, his eldest child will not it will probably not be as successful as the younger children because he's had not he didn't have as many people to challenge him his younger ones siblings are now consistently being challenged by the better and elder sibling so they've had that consistent level of, of challenge so yes yeah, so i think in summary i think challenge is key yeah Indeed. um so yeah, no, that's good absolutely. that's good so mr mcgrady thank you so much for this conversation good luck with everything and uh and, and yeah thank you just keep doing what you're doing turn leg yeah yes. absolutely dead right dead right you look after yourself and we'll see you again soon thank you lee thanks for listening to business problems solved you can contact lee on linkedin facebook instagram or twitter by searching for lee horton the business problem solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.